This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss To The Top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I'm Jamie Arrington. He's Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations, you guys. What is up? Hopefully, I'm going to make it through this podcast without, uh, you know, sneezing into the microphone. Let me give a quick shout out to the state of Mississippi for not allowing me to purchase Claritin D. That's awesome. I'm not going to be able to cut out all the sniffles when editing this episode, so you guys just make do. I've been there. I've you've heard me with the sore throat on here in the past. So it's just it just comes with the territory. If this is your first time listening, we are here to give you a break from all of the high resource five propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. We got a lot to talk about today. Baseball, basketball, we've got an excellent guest on as well. But before we get to that, a little bit of the news happening this week. So today, Peter, I think it's, is it Thamel or Tamel? I think Thamel. Pete, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports had the following tweet, and I quote, Source, Southern Miss promotes Scotty Walden to co-offensive coordinator. He'll remain the wide receiver's coach. So as we said uh, in previous week's episode, Buster Faulkner was named the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Uh, formerly of Arkansas State and Middle Tennessee State. And we had heard, you know, back in December that there was a possibility that Scotty Walden would be promoted to co-offensive coordinator. So this has happened now. They have not released the entire specs on who's on the staff and what their roles are going to be. Some of it's kind of self-explanatory, but happy for Scotty. This is a guy that we definitely needed to do something to hang on to. Yeah, and I don't know a whole lot about about Buster Faulkner, but from what I've read, um, the guy puts up numbers uh, pretty much everywhere he goes. And, um, and you know, I think we're all just kind of looking forward to Scotty, kind of proud of him in a sense, you know. And uh, there's so many people that feel like he's a rising star, and we've got him right now. So let's go ahead and see what he's got. So I'm not positive what a how the co-offensive coordinator thing goes but didn't we do the same didn't we do something similar last year on defense we did we did so yeah i mean it's uh i don't know i i hopefully their philosophies mesh and um and you know two heads are better than one but uh we will uh we shall see I would imagine this is to get Scotty some experience in game planning and and preparing you know a plan for the week so i would imagine that I would, it's kind of like with defense. Um, I think that Buster Faulkner will probably be ultimately the offensive coordinator, but you know, Scotty will probably have some say so as well. So it'll be, it'll be, I'm, you know, I, I, we go back to this every week and 
I, I, there were some people complaining about Buster Faulkner when we first hired him, and and I really didn't. I mean, I get it, but I don't. I, you know, because there's there's so much that that no, we don't even we didn't even know about the guy. But we don't have Shannon Dawson anymore. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And and we got so much coming back next year. I mean, next year is shaping up to be a. It's gonna be a difficult schedule, but should be a pretty solid team we put out there on the field. So I'm looking forward to see what the seeing what the spring holds with the new offense and co-offensive coordinator. Absolutely. All right. So a couple of shout outs real quick. Uh, there's a new SGA president. That's the student government association president for 2019, 2020. His name is Michael Matrick. Congratulations to Michael. He is my cousin. And I'm excited to have some family blood calling the shots at USM right now. How cool is that, man? That uh, I, I was I was not aware of that, but that is um, that is super cool, and, and glad to have glad to have the family tree, you know, kind of uh, running the show. I haven't seen him in quite some time because I started going to your Fourth of July party every year instead of my family reunion. <laughs> but um, you're welcome. Yeah, but uh, he seems to be. I mean, he seems to be fitting in. He's he's it seems like he's fitting nicely at USM, and uh, I'm I'm excited for him. Proud of him. Uh, also, I don't know if you guys have been following us on social media, but shout out to my man Drew Wick. Drew Wick has been slinging the graphics for us all week. All the, the cool, you know, I have a little bit of prowess when it comes to graphic design, but he's been taking, he's like on a, on a, uh, he's like on the level of like a Smitty, you know, he's, he's putting out some really legit stuff for us, much appreciated. It adds a lot to what we do and it adds a lot to what the Southern Miss fans get to enjoy. He's super quick with it too. I think we left the basketball game the other night and I saw it pop up on my phone and you were sitting in the front seat. I was like, goodness gracious. Oh, You're yeah. a wizard with this stuff. And, uh, oh, man. yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure if Drew was going to want to take the credit for it. And I was fully prepared to take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, there's no way I could put anything together like that. So, uh, super glad that he, that he does what he does and he does it so well. And I hope he keeps doing it because if he stops doing it, you're definitely going to be able to tell. <laughs> oh, you will definitely be able to tell. <laughs> I mean, okay, I designed the logo and I basically take the logo and a picture of the person who's on the episode that week and just mesh it together in a box. <laughs> so um, that's that's the extent of my graphic design work. Which is also way sure. more than I could do. Well, I'm not going to show you how to do it just because I need to have you know some kind of leg up there, some kind of some reason to keep me around. Also, got to give a shout out to the Pine Belt News. David Gustafson is letting us put a little blurb in their, the newspaper, kind of giving you guys insight into who's going to be on the show each and every week. So oh, cool. really cool to get out there on Pine Belt News. Also tied in with Pine Belt News is Hub City Spokes, which is tied in with Signature Magazine, which puts on the best of the Pine Belt contest every year right now to the top talk. Up for best local podcast. You can go vote right now. One email address per IP address every day at festivalsouth.org. Yes. Get your vote on. Get your vote on early. Get your vote on often. Um, I do it at the same time every single day. Right when I wake up, I go ahead and I log in and I vote. And, uh, and I'm telling you guys, we can, we can take this thing. We can win this thing. I really want to win this thing. And um and you guys are the only way that I can do it. 
Not that I can do it, but Jamie gets to do this stuff all the time. I'm probably it's like the one the one time in my life I'm probably going to be dominated for any for anything, and um, and so yeah, we we might as well make it count. Do it for bump. Do it for me. I'll take it. Well, let's talk a little Southern Miss basketball. So we ventured out to Red Green Coliseum this past weekend. It's Saturday, February the 23rd. The Golden Eagles fell in overtime to UAB 76 to 72. But it really was a fun atmosphere there in the greenhouse. It definitely had some, 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 uh, some parts of the game. You could definitely feel kind of what we felt, uh, in the few, you know, several years leading up to, to what we have now. And, and, and it's nice, you know, and I know we've mentioned about it a couple times on the show this year where every now and then, um, the crowd just kind of comes alive. No matter that the, you know, the crowds maybe aren't as big as, 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 at the, as they have been in the past, but they're kind of inching their way towards it. The team's playing good. And, um, for all of its faults that Reed Green Coliseum have, has uh the acoustics are not one of them so you know if you can ever get people in that building it's an obvious advantage and uh we did get to feel just a little bit of that on a saturday and it was really cool well the golden eagles are now 17 and 10 on the year nine and six in conference usa this was the first game in bonus play the golden eagles uh next game is going to be this coming sunday march the 3rd they are at Western Kentucky at 2 p.m. Then on Wednesday, March the 6th, they will be heading up to Virginia to take on Old Dominion. And then on Saturday, March the 9th, the final home game for the Golden Eagles this year. It's going to be senior day. It, this is going to be a crucial game. What matters right now is we are in this top pod with the top five teams in the conference. As long as we can finish in those top four we will get a bye in the Conference USA tournament and not have to play uh, an extra day of, of basketball. So, you know, it's 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 not a – if you don't get the bye, it's not the end of the road, but it definitely helps, you know, as far as stay, staying, uh, keeping your stamina up. And, you know, we noticed this weekend, I don't think we played the full roster by by, by any means this weekend. Yeah, no, I was – and I, I was going to hit on uh, – some of that, uh, just, just real quick. I got a few things just, and every time we talk about the basketball games, you know, I always make sure that I mention the number of minutes played. doesn't seem like a very big stat, but I think everybody that was there that on Saturday saw that maybe for the first time all year, we looked gassed towards the end. A lot of that has to do with UAB, but maybe it's something you can look at for the rest of the season. If you come out to the games, if you watch them, if you get it on conference USA TV or just listen on the radio, whatever you do, but check this out. So Tyree Griffin, point guard, played 45 minutes, 20 points, 10 assists, 7 for 7 from the free throw line. That's a really good line, but still it's 45 minutes. Jamie, how long is a basketball game? 40 minutes. How long is overtime? Five minutes. Never came out. This guy, he defends on the end. He he guards the, the other team's point guard, which is usually like the fastest player. Um, he, he's a just like the energizer bunny out there on offense. And you know, even though he was still quick and still fast at the end, that's just got to wear on you. 45 straight minutes at that particular position is just unheard of. Then you go to Cortez Edwards, 43 minutes played, 17 points, nine rebounds. Again, impressive stat line. Um, Leonard Harper Baker, 42 minutes, 13 points, five rebounds, two blocks. Uh, he has a definite swagger down there, down low. 
But you could tell all these guys kind of a little bit tired towards the end. Um, thank goodness for Ladavius Drain, even though he wasn't just on fire from three-point range, still made three threes. He was three for nine uh, for 11 points in 29 minutes. Here's the big thing. So those are the guys that played the most, uh, along with Kevin Holland. We looked so tired at the end of the game, and if you if you, Dominic McGee and Gabe Watson played a total combined five minutes. Wow. Right? I mean, five minutes total. So uh, – I, I personally think Dom could could be on the floor way more than he is. And all that being said, we still had the game won until the prayer from the corner that went off the glass <laughs> with like seven seconds to go or something like that. Um, you know, USM's up by three, and 99 times out of 100, you know, you see that shot thrown up, it clangs off, and, you know, we come off the court victorious. This particular time, um, you know, three-pointer off the top of the glass. And, and mind you, from the right side with a right-handed shooter, which almost makes it even more impossible. <laughs> so, uh, so so, all that being said, we still uh, we still probably should have won the game. Um, and we do have a little bit of time between the next start, so maybe all those minutes don't, uh, don't, don't affect the next game. But uh, I think anybody – Doc, the staff, the players, fans, everybody can look at these at these minute numbers and tell that you're going to have to give these guys a break at some point, somewhere, right? Absolutely. Just something to look forward to with the next game. So this next game coming up. Well, before we talk about this next game, okay, the final game. We've got one more home game left. No reason why we can't put the largest crowd of the year in Reed Green that day. I mean, it's going to be a crucial game. You know, people have wanted to be back, regardless of how you feel about the job. Doc is done. Um, this is a situation where winning cures all. And, and if we're in the mix for this conference tournament, this game could be crucial to us having a bye or not having a bye. How'd you like, uh, being back in the greenhouse, by the way? You know, it was, it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while, but it was, uh, it was, I had a good time other than the outcome and I enjoyed watching. I mean, I've watched the team play on TV a couple of times and I've listened to the games on the radio. Um, but it was, it was nice to be there and to, to see him in action. And near about hit that 5,000 mark. The official attendance was 4,456. I believe most of that probably. Um, and, uh, but, but you know, there it is right there. So we we're shooting for 5,000. Near about got there. I got me another gold shirt, which I know I needed for the collection. And, um, it was fun, man. It, it, everything was fun except for the outcome. And, but, but, but it, it's still a fun team to watch, man. And, and, uh, just a couple things go differently, specifically that prayer from the corner at the end. Then we're sitting here looking at a, what a seven game win streak. So we're not that far away. We still got three more to go. And, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So our guest this week is, he is a man I've known for a very, very, very long time. This guy is one of the most knowledgeable sports fans that that i know and we're steady texting each other during nba season um we get to talk sometimes he'll say stuff and and i'll have no idea what he's talking about because he's so far ahead of the game and i am but uh, he is my stepfather he is a huge western kentucky fan he attended um he attended western kentucky when he was going through college and he is way more knowledgeable than a lot of the experts out there so I figure if we're going to talk Western Kentucky basketball, we might as well talk to him. We haven't had a chance to talk Western Kentucky football, so I'm sure we'll do that this fall. But please welcome my guest today, 
a very, very, very special man to me, Jeff Tyree. Tough outing this weekend for the Hilltoppers, falling 63-67 to to Old Dominion. This is the top two teams in the top pod. What are your thoughts on the game this weekend? Uh, it was it was a battle for them. They, they played well uh, and held their own and had a three-point lead late in the game, Jamie, but they just couldn't could never get over the hump and and uh and just came up short that that was their second trip to Norfolk to play old Dominion they the first game was really a weird game they actually led that game 21 to nothing and ended up getting beat by three the first time and then they got beat four this time they played they played a lot better than they played this past Saturday against UAB and and Stan Rich Stansbury actually was back on the sidelines after having the back surgery and uh and that was an added plus and but they just—it was just a hard fall game that they just came up short in uh, down the stretch. It was a one-possession game with about three minutes, two, two or three minutes to go, and they just couldn't get over the hump to to hold hold him off and, and put the win away. You mentioned uh, Rick Stansbury having back surgery. For the fans that don't know, I think he slipped on some ice at his house uh, before the Marshall game, I think in January, and uh, you know tried to. I think he coached through the game here in Hattiesburg, and then finally just had to get off his feet and had back surgery last week. He, he did. It, it, it's really a, a crazy deal. It, he didn't fall necessarily, as I understand it. He was just actually headed out the, the door, and he slipped, and he and he twisted, and he caught himself. But when he did, he I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure he had some kind of disc issue or ruptured a disc or did something, and he tried to get through uh, the issues, with it and just and just handle the pain till they kind of I guess till they could get to the end of the year and then get it worked on this summer and in the off season. But on their road trip to uh, to Rice in North Texas, he was actually they had actually gone to Rice and played on a Thursday night and and he evidently just got in real bad shape at the hotel and couldn't even coach the game Thursday night. Mark Hugh coached the game, the assistant and and he uh, they flew him back to Bowling Green. Uh, before while the team went on to Denton to play at North Texas. And then and then I think he battled it. But he had surgery the Friday, uh, a week ago, Friday, after they played Middle Tennessee on Thursday night in Bowling Green. It's kind of ironic it, just seeing the articles on it and everything. He, he, can't, uh, he can't watch the games if he's not coaching. He had a hard time. He just watched the film afterwards and <laughs> did something during the actual game, which I thought was kind of – kind of unique kind of a billy bean type approach absolutely well this is in mississippi fans mississippi sports fans know him from his time at mississippi state this is his third season in bowling green what kind of impact has he had on the program he's had a really positive impact uh, he's, he's upgraded significantly their talent level uh, ray harper's an excellent coach he's now at jacksonville state and uh, is, a, is a terrific game tactician and, and, and outstanding job with strategy, but just seemed to have difficulty uh, recruiting at the level that the Western fans thought was appropriate for their program. Uh, Rick came in and has recruited as an, at an exceptional level, uh, especially for Western Kentucky in the last 15 or 20, 25 years from where the program has been uh, since the early 90s. Um, but this year's team, I know he's he and the Western fans are both, I think, pretty disappointed overall because the talent level and the players and and the individual pieces just haven't come together. The 
to form a sum that's been as productive, I think, as they would like it to be. They, they've been disappointed, and, and they do have, I think they have some of the better talent in the league, but they just haven't been able to translate that together to get more wins, and, and they also just haven't been able to get any traction or continuity or any consistency. Um, you can look at the results of their, of their schedule, their schedule results game by game and see that they've beaten some excellent teams uh, during the course of the season, but then they had some kind of head-scratching losses both in the non-conference and in the conference, more so in the non-conference. And, and their strength of schedule has been pretty good, uh, especially for a Conference USA team in the non-league portion. They just haven't been able to translate that into a consistent effort day-to-day or game-to-game, and, and they've had a hard time doing that uh, the, uh, not to take anything away from the UAB win in Bowling Green a week ago on Saturday. Um, Western had won five in a row, played very well in that stretch, and just completely got manhandled by Alabama Birmingham in Biddle, Biddle Arena, their home court last weekend in a game that they lost by eight that really wasn't even that close. Uh, and they'll go back to Birmingham as part of the pod schedule Thursday night and play them again. But I think the fans were real disappointed after that game because it seemed like they had, after taking several steps forward, they'd taken several steps backward in one day. So it's it's been a tough year for them, although I think the talent level is there and they've got to find a way to finish in the top four in the in the seedings to get the double bye for the conference tournament. But if they can do that, they have as good a chance as anybody to win the league just because – they have a couple of guys that are upper end guys that, that if they can play well and get them on the same page, like Bassey and Josh Anderson and some of those guys, they can have a chance to win the tournament. You mentioned Charles Bassey. I mean, he's a guy, he's a center, uh, ridiculous. He's like a seven, two wingspan, you get know, a very, very fluid athlete. And for most of the season, I've seen him projected as a first round pick in this NBA draft. What are your thoughts on Charles Bassey? He's a lot better player than I thought he was and thought he was going to be. Uh, he's still relatively young. He's a young kid, uh, still just turned 18. Um, I believe that's correct. Um, but he's been very active for them, has very been very consistent throughout the year. He still makes some of the young player mistakes, but defensively he's a little better than I thought he would be. He shoots the ball a little better than I thought from deep that he would. And he's kind of an old throwback. Um, for what the big man used to be before everybody went to the stretch four and the stretch five and started playing around the three-point line. But he's a very talented young man, and he he has improved immensely over the course of the season and has had some of his better games against some of the better big men that he has gone against during the course of the season. Um, probably the best comparable that I've seen, and I'm, I don't know that he'll be a first-round draft pick. I do think he's probably going to go out. I definitely think he'll get drafted early in the second round. But uh, Rick Bosich, from the, that you wrote for years for the uh, Courier-Journal out of Louisville, as, and he writes for a Fox affiliate up there in Louisville now, had an article out last week that uh, went over the uh, draft status of all of the Kentucky players from the University of Louisville, University of Kentucky, uh, Jay Moran at, Moore, at Murray State, and then talked about Charles Bassey and had, had opinions in the article from scouts that had actually just their thoughts on guys that they scouted that were NBA scouts for teams. And the consensus on Bassey was that he could play pro ball, but then he might be an early second-round pick 
And one of the interesting things I thought was, because the question about Bash is going to be how does he fit into today's NBA game in terms of his size and what and the way the NBA teams play the game today. And one of the scouts had a top on him that was that compared him to a Derek Favors, which I thought I hadn't really ever thought about like that. But that's a very appropriate comp uh, comp for Bassey because that's kind of how he plays the game. His Favors is kind of a throwback from his days at Georgia Tech and then in the NBA. And Bassey, I think, will be similar to that. I just hope that if he makes the decision to go, that he can get in the right situation with the right team and be able to stick and not and not kind of get into the European or the or the G League structure where it's just hard to get out of and get back into the league. It would be nice to have him back for a year, but I'm not optimistic about that. What are some of the strengths and weaknesses of this Hilltopper team? The biggest strength, I think, is just their overall uh, individual talent level, Jamie. They've got some guys that are all pretty gifted. They all have some limitations, but they're really – they're appreciably better athletic than they've been in the past. They just don't have the experience uh, in veteran leadership, for example, that they had last year with some of the senior transfers and, and Cooley and, and, and Colby and Thompson and then Justin Johnson, who was already there. Um, they are very, very – have been very inconsistent all year. In this stretch where they played a little bit better – They've gotten much better point guard play from Lelante Bearden, who missed the first nine games of the year because of some NCAA issues after he declared for the draft last year and decided to come back to school. And they missed Lamonte early, but it also prohibited them from being able to get any structure or traction together collectively as a unit on the floor. Uh, he has played better. Um, but their overall strength is they've got to play inside out through Bassey and at times they, they forget that he's on the floor and everything he gets comes off of offensive putbacks and what he goes and gets. Uh, the good thing about that is he continues to play hard and work for the ball, uh, but they have to run their offense through him. They did that yesterday in Norfolk and had 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 a, had a decent look at the game late to win at Old Dominion. Uh, last Saturday they did not. They shot an enormous amount of threes for them did not shoot the ball well against UAB and Bowling Green and, and got beat pretty soundly. So they've got to play through Bassey, and then they've got to rely on their athleticism. They have defended a little bit better of late than they did early in the year, although uh, Coach Stansbury played a good bit of zone yesterday in Norfolk uh, that was successful against Old Dominion. Um, their weaknesses are, and it's just critical to them, and it, and it dictates how they play when the game game results come in is they just turn the ball over so much. Uh, they have an enormous amount of turnovers and the propensity to turn the ball over a lot, especially live ball turnovers, which just crush you. Um, and if they do not turn the ball over, they're pretty efficient offensively and can score or get to the free throw line. But one thing they've just not been able to do at all this year is protect the basketball and or not turn the ball over, especially in critical parts of the game. The first meeting this year on January 24th, Western Kentucky, with the 66-63 to win over the Golden Eagles. What, if anything, has changed since the first meeting this season? I, I think, Jamie, in all candor, USM's probably playing a little bit better. There's a little bit better club than the one. Western faced in January. Western was fortunate to get out of Hattiesburg with the win. They had a 13-point lead at the half, and that's kind of been 
an Achilles heel for the toppers all year, and they've had some games where they've built up some sizable leads and just haven't been able to protect them. And they did the same thing that Thursday night in Hattiesburg on the 24th. They had a 13-point halftime lead and were fortunate to get to the finish line and win the game. Um, they are a little more consistent defensively and offensively, and they've played a little bit better. And that's one of their better wins if you look at the Kim Palm schedule and where teams are ranked in the conference and, and, and wins. That's one of Western's better wins this year. I think the game Sunday, the, uh, next Sunday in Hattiesburg will be a really good ball game. Uh, I think it'll be a battle. I think it'll be a pretty intense. I think it'll be very similar to the game that Western played yesterday at Old Dominion. It'll be played in the 60s again, and I think it'll be a one- or two-possession game late with the team that makes the least amount, least amount of mistakes will be the one that comes out with the win. You know, the Western Kentucky and Southern Miss have only been in the conference together for a couple of years, but Western Kentucky has quite the history as a basketball school. I mean, 23 NCAA appearances, 33 conference tournament championships, uh, the six most victories in the history of the NCAA. For the fans that might not be as aware, what, tell us a little bit about the basketball tradition at Western Kentucky. Well, it, it is a steep tradition, Jamie, it's been, and they've been very successful for a long time. Um, started going all the way back to the days with the foundation of the program and the backbone of the program, Ed Biddle, who was the head coach for which the arena they play in now, their game for Diddle Arena. He built a tremendous program, and it was a program that ironically was built off of local guys for the most part in the uh, within a 50 to 100-mile radius of Bowling Green. Uh, and, and Coach Diddle brought that forward and had a lot of success. And, and the highlight or the high point of the program, really from a Western fan perspective, really was the 1960s and into the early early 70s. Uh, when Johnny Oldham took over for Coach Diddle and was the head coach at the program, he had formerly been a coach, I think, at Tennessee Tech, and uh, he came back to Bowling Green. He had played at Western, and uh, he was able, of course, that was pre-integration with the SEC, and Louisville was not integrated yet or had was begun to integrate, but the SEC was not integrated, and, and Coach Oldham would recruit black athletes and uh and there were several tremendous black athletes in the in the radius of Bowling Green, and he was able to get them all to come to Western and put together some really terrific teams in the mid-'60s, led by Clem Haskins and Dwight and Greg Smith, and then coming forward to the late-'60s and the early-'70s with the big man Jim McDaniels and Clarence Glover and Dwight Rose and Jim Perry and some of those guys that culminated in, in a – Final Four appearance that was ultimately vacated because Jim McDaniel had signed with an agent before the Final Four during the course of the season, but they finished third that year in the Final Four at the Astrodome in Houston in 1971. And then since then, they Clem Haskins came back as head coach in the 80s, and then um, you know the test of time, and I guess the test of any good program is they've had a lot of turnover because they've kind of been a stepping stone for their head coaches, but as each head coach has left. They've replaced that head coach and still been fairly successful on the basketball court, and they've had several head coaches through that time frame with Ralph Willard and uh, Darren Horn and Dennis Felton, and uh, and have had a lot of success and have been able to have some some form of continuity. They have a they don't have a large fan base, but they have a real solid, consistent fan base that that is very supportive of Western and also very, you know, just like any fan base can be very critical as, as things go, like this year's 
fan base has been disappointed with the results, even though they're they're really happy with Coach Stansbury and the recruiting that he's been doing. But their but their history's long and storied, and and they've dominated the conferences they've been in, uh, especially the Ohio Valley Conference for years. Not so much the Sun Belt, except for stretches, and then but but they're thrilled to be in Conference USA, and 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 they've had some success in the league, but they just have not been able to. To, uh, to translate that over to an NCAA tournament bid since they came to Conference USA. Well, take a detour for a second here. On Saturday, November the 23rd, Western Kentucky football makes their first trip to the Rock here in Hattiesburg. I know we've been talking about this game for years. It got uh, detoured with them joining the conference, but you finally get to see the Hilltoppers here in Hattiesburg. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I don't know that they'll be up for the task to battle with the Golden Eagles on that particular day, but I think better days are ahead for them. They, uh, they, you know, it's hard not to take a step back when you lose a coach as good as Jeff Brom was, and uh, and that's just part and parcel of 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 the business. And uh, and and Mike Sanford just was not able to translate anything on the field, and there's some debate as to whether or not Mike got a fair enough opportunity to or time to implement into his program as he was only there two years. But Tyson Helton is out of that Brom coaching tree. He's familiar. Uh, he, his offensive scheme is very similar to what Jeff ran uh, while he was at Western under Bobby Petrino and then when he became head coach. So the, the, the fans are hoping that they can at least get back to that that system that moves the ball up and down the field with a little better defense than they've had over the past few years, it, it kind of dovetails off what they've done defensively the last couple of years where they'll they'll be an entertaining product and, and can move in the right direction. I don't think they're expecting great things in terms of wins next year, but I think they would like to be uh, a little more competitive, a little more entertaining, and maybe try to find a way to be playing late in November for example, with that game in Hattiesburg, looking for a sixth or seventh win. All right, so this Sunday, March the 3rd, Southern Miss heading up to Bowling Green to Diddle Arena to take on the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. That game starts at 2 p.m. Do you have any final thoughts on the game this weekend? No, I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think it'll be a good ball game. I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about the pod system, but I think overall it's a good thing. Um, of course, I may not think that necessarily if Western goes through the pod system and ends up losing a top four slot and, and, yeah. and plays itself out of a bye. But I do think it's good for the league. I think it's a good thing overall, and I think it's good for interest, and, and I think the games will be competitive, and, and I think it's a, it's a unique, different approach for Conference USA, but it's one that leagues have to look at because there's such a disparity in team schedules within leagues anymore uh, where teams, some teams play a much more difficult schedule than other teams, but yet the other team may end up with a better conference record and a higher seeding that's really predicated on a schedule that wasn't near as difficult as, as one some of their other teams in the league had played. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the game Sunday, and I, I think it'll be a really good ball game. That was Jeff Tyree. So that's right. Next game is going to be this Sunday, March the 3rd, at Western Kentucky, up there at Bowling Green, it's going to be at 2 p.m., a crucial game. we got three games left in the regular season in this bonus play. That's going to be a crucial game for the Golden Eagles. You know, and, and from what I remember, we, we, we played Western really well uh, this season. And um, 
you know, this, this, this chase thing or this bonus play, um, I like it. You know, I, I like it towards the end. I heard Doc the other day and I don't think he cares for it too much. Shocker. But, uh, I mean, well, do, do you like it? Do you, do you think this is cool? Like just this, this weird thing at the end, but it's, it's, it's neat, isn't it? I think it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I think mm-hmm. if, if we had teams that were actually in contention, like we usually do have teams that are somewhat in contention for an at-large bid. I mean, if this is the difference between us getting two bids, uh, rather than one bid, why would you not want to do it? I, I don't understand. I mean, it's, it's a win-win for the conference and it's a win-win for the teams that are right there on the bubble. Yeah, and in this particular year, I mean, I saw the projected RPIs of the four teams or the five teams that are in that top pod, and all of them are 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 going to get exponentially better. It, probably not good enough to get us that that second team in, um, but the point it it, it still it still works, you know. The, the systems the, the system still is going to work as as far as the projections go. So that's neat. But like you said, I mean. If you did have a bunch of teams around that, you know, hundred mark, and they were going to make it up to like the sixty or seventy mark, that would be a lot better. But, um, but regardless, this is just kind of the season within the season, and I, I think, I think it's cool. I mean, maybe if we were in that bottom third right now, well, if we were in the bottom third, nobody would care right now anyway. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, this is just a little bit extra to look forward to, and it showed from the attendance, and and it's it's showing from uh from from the RPI standpoint, so. I, you know, it's it, it, it's not often that you and I talk about something that Conference USA did and applaud it. But so far, I think this is pretty cool. The game is going to be on Stadium on Facebook. So you'll be able to watch that game on okay. Facebook this Sunday at 2 p.m. All right, let's move on to baseball. Big series, big in-state rivalry series this weekend up in Startville. Uh, let's just go through what happened. This past weekend. So on Friday, February the 22nd, the Golden Eagles defeated Mississippi Starkville one to nothing in extra innings. That was quite the game, quite the pitching duel. Yeah. Well, um, Walker Powell really showed out. I mean, seven, seven and two thirds innings pitched, five hits, zero runs, zero earned runs, zero walks, two Ks, 77 pitches in just over seven innings. I'm nearly eight innings. Right at, you know, I don't know what's that like nine point something pitches per inning. <laughs> That's crazy. That's like Greg Maddox esque. Um, then Ryan Ock, who I got a feeling we're going to be calling that guy's name a lot this year. But Ryan Ock, two point uh, two and a third innings pitched, two hits, zero earned runs, two Ks. He ended up being the winning pitcher. And then of course Charlie Fisher with the pinch hit, game winning hit in the in the was it the tenth inning? Yeah, tenth yeah, inning. So. So welcome to the welcome to the squad, Mr. Fisher, and uh, yeah, and, and really spoiled the a, a fantastic effort by Mississippi Starfall's uh, starting pitcher uh, uh, Smalls, I believe, and um, killing me Smalls, you're killing me Smalls, and he was he was killing us all night, goodness gracious, but uh, but it, it was nice for Walker to just kind of go punch for punch with him, and we did just enough offensively to win it, so that was that was cool. The next game on Saturday, Golden Eagles not as fortunate. This was kind of where we started having some issues with errors and fielding and whatnot. But on Saturday, February the 23rd, the Golden Eagles fell to the Bulldogs 8-1. to Game really started off poorly and uh, never really got anything going. 
Um, the, the one good thing is I guess we did get to see a bunch of different arms throw. Like you said, defensively looked bad. It was a high sky that day. The sun was in the eyes. The wind was blowing. Um, but, you know, we made physically we made errors and then also mentally. Um, you know, the ball up the middle that Gidry dove for where nobody covered second base and uh, Mississippi State player uh, just hustled on the second base. Uh, stuff like that can't happen if you're going to play, you know, regional quality teams, in my opinion. Uh, Stevie Powers really struggled, ending in two third, four earned runs. Of course, that's you know that, that's that's probably going to be the outlier of of his starts for the rest of the year. He's a solid Saturday guy. But yeah, we uh, lost eight to one. Good thing is we did get to see uh, outside of Powers, we got saw we got to see Ginn, Lewis, Wright, Tweedy, Shepard. Warren and Guillotine. So we didn't get to see a lot of pitchers and, and go ahead and get their feet wet, you know, especially in that kind of environment. Uh, that'll take them a long way throughout the season. And I don't know if he was, it looked like something happened to Powers there in the first inning. I could be wrong on that, but there were a lot of Golden Eagles banged up, you know, uh, Brent Blaylock, uh, injured his wrist, getting mm-hmm. ready for the game Friday night. And, and something's up with Matt Guidry, as we saw on Sunday. Um, it's like some kind of a leg injury or groin injury, possibly. But, you know, they, they, they've been banged up, especially, you know, had some lacking as far as fielding. There were a lot of errors. And, and you know, Walner also. Walner's a little banged up. So, um, But, again, you're sitting there, you know, through two games, uh Facing the two starting pitchers that we did, which are on, you know, JT Gim was already a first round pick. Uh, the Friday night guy for state's probably also going to be a really super high pick. Um, you're, you're, you're facing like probably two major league arms and, and you're sitting there at one and one. Um, and, and, and obviously not hitting the ball like we're accustomed to see Southern Miss hitting it and not fielding it and making some mental errors. Like we, we've played, we played pretty bad and we're sitting, we're sitting there to split looking to Sunday, right? So I guess if you're looking for a bright side, that's kind of a bright side. And um and then and then we got to Sunday. Sunday, it was a pretty even matchup for the most most part during the day as Mississippi Starkville pulls ahead 4 to 3 right there at the end. Way too many errors in this one. And we never really got the bats going this weekend. No, nope, never did. Um and as of this recording, uh we're not really doing it versus UNO tonight either. <laughs> Um, I really think this team's going to hit the ball before the end of the year. I thought the big question mark was pitching, but um, it, but uh, the um, you know we, we we had we had good pitching this game as well. But um, and also the bats. I don't want to say the bats came alive, but we did out hit Mississippi Starful, uh eight to seven. We saw Hunter LeBlanc hit his uh, first home run as a Golden Eagle. Matt Walner never saw a pitch to hit. I think he was walked. I know he's in. in no, he's walked three times. I think two of them were intentional, and the other one might as well have been intentional. You know, just hey, throw it up there. It's it's not a it doesn't go down as an intentional walk, but never threw it anywhere near the plate. You got to have somebody behind Matt that uh, that can handle the bat. I know the lineup changed a little bit tonight. Um, Cole Donaldson was hitting in the five hole behind Walner, and um, if there's not a threat behind Walner, he's never going to get a pitch to see ever. It would be like me hitting behind Barry Bonds, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, they're just never going to throw it to him. So, um, but again, we saw uh, 
we saw a fine performance from um, from Ock. Uh, J.C. Keys came in and looked good. Adam Jackson looked good. Cody Carroll, you're going to hear his name a ton this year. Um, so I'd, I'd say the bright spot was the bullpen for sure. Uh, Strickland did not get that far, kind of like Stevie Powers did, threw right at two innings. But you, but you mentioned the, the three errors that we had. It proved costly. None bigger than uh, than Cooper in the ninth, but he's as steady as they come in the middle. And um, that was uncharacteristic, extremely untimely. Um, but again, uh, you're playing a high-caliber team, uh, a, a team like you're going to face in a regional. You're not playing your best, and you probably should have won two out of three. So, uh, you know, I, I guess my glass is still half empty, but but I think the big key now is finding somebody behind Walner to get that guy some – some pitches to hit. He's got to see some fastballs. He's he's got to have a chance, and um, and and that's that's a big key, you know, moving forward for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Well, the Golden Eagles, as of right now, are four and two. As we are recording, they are taking on the UNO Privateers. I believe that game is their dad. The Eagles are down two to one in the sixth inning. Last I saw. Checking out the stats right now. <laughs> this weekend, the Golden Eagles would be back at home. That's March the 1st, uh, Friday, through Sunday, March the 3rd. The Friday game's at 6 p.m. Saturday is at 2 p.m. And Sunday at 1 p.m. against the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I didn't know they played anything other than basketball. <laughs> well, we're going to find out this weekend. We will find out this weekend. Then on Tuesday, uh, that it's March the th- March the 5th, the Golden Eagles are hosting Southern at 6 p.m. All right, man. I had a great show this week. We've got some good stuff lined up in the future. Let's shut it down. Special thanks to our guest, Jeff Tyree. If he's on Twitter, I don't know about it. He probably tweets a lot of Western Kentucky stuff, so you probably don't want to follow him anyway. <laughs> no, Jeff's a great guy. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook as well and on Instagram at to the top talk. Be sure you check us out in the best of the Pine Belt Award Contest at FestivalSouth.org. We're up for best local podcast. Shout outs, shout outs to our friends at collegesportsunfiltered.com and shout out to our man Drew Wick. Any final thoughts, thoughts before we head out, Jason? Uh, just get out there and vote, uh, vote for us, vote every single day. Do it for me. Don't do it for you, but do it for me. And I really appreciate it. There you have it. We'll look for To the Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating, a review and whatnot. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.